Hey team, it's Matt Drinkon here. And you might have heard, my brand new book releases on Amazon on March 8th. It's been a labor of love that I think can really help you navigate some of the challenges you're experiencing in your own life. I go over toxic positivity and how to think you're in it for everyone else. In reality, you're in it for yourself. And I express that through this entire book and help learn from our own mistakes and how to turn the lens on ourselves and ask good questions. So go to Amazon on March 8th and you can get the Kindle version for only 99 cents. Just search for the book title, The Eternal Optimist. It's never too late. And you can download it directly to your device. That's it for me. Let's get into today's episode. Hello and welcome to the Eternal Optimist podcast. My name is Matt Drinkon, and I am an eternal optimist, someone who sees the positive side of things and also realizes there are challenges, and I learn from those things. This is the show to help you get acquainted with challenges and to see that other people have overcome them too, and you can do it too. Eternal Optimist Podcast is made for you. Wherever you're at right now is the perfect time to be hearing this episode right now because you are going to gain some inspiration, some knowledge, maybe a smile, and definitely some gratitude. Before we get started, I want to encourage you, you can connect with me on social media. Follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Eternal Optimist Podcast. Today's episode, oh, it's going to be a doozy. I'm interviewing Mr. Aaron Walker. Now, I'm not going to read everything on his list of accomplishments and achievements in the world. I will share with you the thing that really endeared me to him the most. First, he lives in Nashville, Tennessee with his lovely wife, Robin, of 43 years. They have two daughters and five grandchildren. Aaron, he is a coach or a mentor to someone that I respect that I had in the podcast earlier, and I was referred to him by Mr. Grant Baldwin. And Aaron, he's founded more than a dozen companies over the past 42 years. He's the founder of the Iron Sharpens Iron Mastermind that hosts 20 groups with international members. He's the author of View from the Top, a manual on living a life of success and significance. He created the Mastermind Playbook as a resource for creating, running, and scaling masterminds. Some of his quotes, the enemy of excellence is isolation and accountability is key. In our conversation today, we will talk about the awareness of big ego. Seven questions to find your purpose, when you have abundance of opportunity to choose from, how do you choose? We'll also dive into where we can find a renewable source of energy at all times. And we'll look at the questions he uses for his own personal assessment. This man's list of accomplishments is, is long, wide, it's, it's fantastic. And he's also had some tragedies. He'll chronicle the tragedy of when he was involved in a car accident with the pedestrian and the pedestrian died and what that taught him and how he still has that with him today. Aaron's an amazing man. You know, before and after we turned the camera on and turned the recording on, but we had some good discussion and this is a man I really respect. I've learned from him just in one conversation and I hope you will as well. So friends, buckle up and enjoy my conversation with my new friend, Mr. Aaron Walker. Hello and welcome to the Eternal Optimist Podcast the show for optimists by optimists. This is the show for people who see the good in the world and want to make a positive difference in the lives of their families and communities. Each week, you'll hear inspiring stories that will get you thinking bigger and playing more offense in life. With your host and high-performance coach, Matt Drinkon. 
And with that introduction, I'd like to welcome my new friend, Mr. Aaron Walker, to the show today. Aaron, how are you, sir? Yeah, doing great, buddy. I've been pretty excited. Looking forward to this. So thank you for having me on. Well, it is a real pleasure. You came highly recommended by a good friend, Mike Abramowitz from the Better Than Rich podcast. And I just, I'm grateful you're here. And one of the first things I wanted to comment on upon first experiencing Aaron Walker and seeing you for the first time, you've made mention that you'd already retired 12 years ago, but now you're back at things full time. And I just, your, your energy and the way you show up, it shows up as a way of real purpose, real fulfillment. So I'm, I'm curious how you've been able to maintain this, this energy and this youthful exuberance after you retired 12 years ago. How is this happening? I love you, man. And just getting to know you. And so I'd hug your neck right now if I was there. Listen, I just enjoy life, man. I mean, why go through the doldrums, you know, and like, like the, I love the name of your show. I mean, you know, the eternal optimist and I've even got a hat. I should have worn it. And it says optimist on my hat. I wished I had it on. Mm. I've got it in the nice. closet. I should run and get it. But I love this hat because that's the way I look at life. I mean, the life deals us some, some bad scenarios sometimes, but like, hey, we'll figure it out. And it's even in my mm. core values. Everything's figure outable. And so we'll, we'll figure out a way. And so, yeah. Oh my goodness. You just said everything is figure outable, which is one of my favorite slogans. Oh my gosh. <laughs> look at that. It's, it's my fourth core value. I've got it etched literally in stainless steel on my wall beside of me. Fantastic. Well, I think that we're going to give our listeners a treat today. And what I'd like to offer them is you could take us through like a journey, a timeline, if you will, of some of the things that have been challenging for you throughout your life. I'd love to start somewhere in the past, dig into the challenge and uh, what you learned from it. And we'll take it from there one step at a time. So please start with wherever you'd like in the past of the challenge. This is pretty easy for me because I can take you back to a time. I got started early, Matt, in the entrepreneurial journey. You know, I was 18 years old when we started our first business. And I kind of did the grit and determination thing for, you know, the first 10 years of my career. And that panned out okay, but it was hard. And then I repeated that cycle for the next 10 years and just kind of figured it out. And then a buddy of mine invited me to join a mastermind group. And I didn't even know what a mastermind group was at the time. This has been, you know, two and a half decades ago now. But uh, I wasn't vulnerable. I wasn't transparent, and oftentimes I wasn't authentic. I used to tease people and say, I don't lie. I just make things interesting, right? We'll, we'll just kind of ad lib a little bit, kind of give a few more details maybe than actually happened, and I'm just making it fun. I'm making it interesting, and a buddy of mine called me out on that. He said, that's called a lie, and I'm like, well, I don't really like to look at it that way, but I wanted everybody to think I had it figured out, right? I had a pretty big ego. I was uh, pretty condescending when I was young because I came from a really broke environment and we sold out to a fortune 500 when I was 27. So I thought I was the golden boy. I was like, Hey, I can make this thing happen. And then I repeated that again. And then I was humbled back in 2001 with a automobile accident that took the life of a pedestrian. And it really set me on my heels and made me to really reevaluate my life and 
the things that I was living for and became much more authentic, a lot more vulnerable, a lot more transparent. And I found out that at the intersection of vulnerability and transparency is where real strength begins. And my buddies from that standpoint, called the Eagles, a mastermind group that I was invited into, helped me understand what being a real man was and how we can be authentic and transparent along the way and really radically transform the lives of other people. So the biggest challenge for me early on was being that authentic, vulnerable, transparent Mm. man. As you were in that phase in your life where you had the big ego and you were grinding it out and figuring things out in business, you just shared with us that there was a kind of a, a traumatic experience, a moment where you kind of had this, this realization. And I wonder how aware you were leading up to that challenging moment. I wonder how aware you were of your inauthenticity Not at all. Yeah, I wasn't aware of it at all. And through that humbling experience, being able to reflect and think back, and I started deep diving into my life and why it mattered and did it matter and what was I trying to accomplish? You know, by this time I'd had some success financially, but I didn't have any significance. Like I think back if I had been killed that day, let's just reverse it for a minute and say instead of the person that I ran over and killed, what if that had been me stepping off a curb here in Nashville and, and I was killed? And I said, you know what my legacy, Matt, would have been? My legacy would have been poor kid from Nashville, Tennessee, makes enough money to retire at age 27, and nobody cares. And I'm like, God, that is not what I want my legacy to be. I want my legacy to be that, hey, Matt's life is better as our interaction has materialized over time. Our life is better now because I'm pouring into somebody. My life is better now is because I've helped change the trajectory of somebody's life. I've maybe changed a family tree. I've made an introduction. I've been able to give that encouragement. I've shown empathy to somebody that they've needed at a time in their life where they really needed the sense of encouragement and empathy. And when I started thinking through that, I said, I'm not doing any of these things. Like my focus was on another business, making more money, getting a vacation home, having a sense of security, having a big net worth. And I'm like embarrassed. And I'm like, man, I've got to change this path. So it was a real shift for me mentally to do this deep dive and put me on a new Mm. path. Well, thank you for sharing that, Aaron. When you started to make this transition to the new path after the accident. What was that like, kind of discovering transparency and authenticity and vulnerability for you? So I have to take you back even a little further. So in the early 90s, I was headed to the office and the Chamber of Commerce was hosting a speaker at Luby's Cafeteria in Madison, Tennessee, just north of Nashville. And I almost drove by the entrance and I said, nah, I need to get on to work. And then I thought, no, I, I want to stop and hear this guy. So I stopped and went in. There was about 20 people there and this guy was up there speaking. And it sounded like a pretty cool concept. But after the meeting, I went up and introduced myself to him and I said, hey, I just built a new business about a mile from here. You want to come check it out? And he said, yeah, sure. I'd love to. So I got to go back that way anyway. So he stopped by the office and looked at it and this guy was starting a radio show here in Nashville. 
And this is in the early 90s. And he said, hey, I would love for you to consider advertising on my show. And I said, no. <laughs> I said, I've never heard of you. I have no idea what you're doing. I just heard your presentation and it sounds pretty interesting, but I don't have any interest. He said, I think your show would do well or your business would do well on my show. And I said, no, I'm not. I'm not interested. I get pitched every day for marketing. And he said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll give you a free week. If you'll just try me for a week free, you have nothing to lose. Then we'll have a discussion. So I said, okay, let's do it. So I got on his show, had a commercial promoting, you know, our business. Man, three days in, I can't even begin to tell you the amount of people that were coming in our store because the show was being hosted in Nashville. And I called him up and I said, man, I don't know. I don't know what Kool-Aid you're selling, but these people are drinking it. And I'm interested in continuing on advertising. He said, well, if you do that, you'll have to sign an annual contract. I said, three days ago, I just met you. Now you're wanting me to sign an annual contract. And he said, yeah, if you want to continue on my show, it's an annual contract. And I said, I'm going to do it because business has been so good these past three days. I'm going to do it. That was my first encounter with Dave Ramsey. Oh, Dave was wow. just just starting just starting his show here in Nashville. We both live here in Nashville, and I went on to sponsor his show for 21 years. And Dave and I became very close friends. And after my automobile accident, he invited me to join his mastermind group that he was starting here in Nashville. And he invited 10 other guys, and I went reluctantly. I didn't want to do it because I knew Dave was a hard charger and he was going to find out I had a credit card and he was going to find out that I had real estate debt. He was going to find out that Robin and I argued occasionally. And I'm like, I don't want to go. And Robin said, you should just go try. So I went, fell in love with it, spent 12 years every Wednesday morning for the next decade plus in there. And that is where I learned to be vulnerable and transparent. Surrounding myself with these non-biased, trusted advisors, they didn't have a dog in the hunt. They were able to walk alongside of me and encourage me and help me, and I could them. And we took each other to task. We held each other accountable. We walked the journey together, and we did that weekly for about 12 years. And so that's the place where I really understood what it meant to be vulnerable and transparent. What a great story. I, I love it. And I feel this is why we have this show, is to show that there is hope and that you can do it too, listener. And what Aaron just outlined is a great prototype for most of us, that we might have this ego. We might have this inauthentic place or this place where we, we hide or there's lack of transparency. And through a support group of other trusted people around him, he was able to shed that ego shed that transparency or shed that lack of transparency and came to be more open and vulnerable. And I wonder if you could take us back when you were starting that 12 year run with this Wednesday morning group, approximately how many meetings or how much time passed before you felt you were really there and vulnerable and sharing it all? <laughs> That's Aaron. a great question. Uh, so we were just talking about this actually with another guy. So I told you originally, I didn't want to go. Dave was at the Curb Center. We were watching Mercy Me perform, and they were setting a few roles. He and Sharon were a few roles ahead of us. I didn't even know he was there. And he got up during intermission and saw me and said, hey, Big A, he said, I want to talk to you about joining this mastermind group. I said, Dave, I don't even know what a mastermind group is. Like, I never even heard of that. 
he told me a little bit about it and he said, just come Wednesday. Well, I went in, you know, to the concession, you know, got my popcorn and Coke, sat back down, finished watching Mercy Me. We got in the car and we started home. And I told Robin, I said, I don't want to join that group. And she said, why? I said, I, I just, I just know how it's going to go. I just know they're going to make me feel uncomfortable. They're going to ask questions that I've never been asked. And I just don't want to go. And so the first week I went, one of the guys was talking about a relationship problem with his wife. And I thought, dang, he's coming out strong right out of the gate. I mean, like, I don't even know this guy. A couple of weeks later, we were in there and one of the guys mentioned a problem about one of his sons using narcotics and got caught. And I was like, dang. And so a couple of weeks later, a guy brought up about his business and the cash flow problem that they were having. And I was like, man, this is pretty heavy. And so week after week, guys were going deep with their business, with their spiritual life, with their professional life. And I got in the car and I drove home. It was probably three months in. And I walked in the door and Robin was standing there and I kissed her and started laughing. She goes, what, what's so funny? And I said, Robin, I think I found my people. She said, what do you mean? I said, they're more screwed up than we are. <laughs> I said, and they're sharing it with the whole group. And she goes like, are you going to share our stuff? And I said, yeah, you know what? I don't want to, but I think if I do, I think it will help me. I think I'll learn. Well, I started sharing bits and pieces to see if they could be trusted. They would give me advice and I would try it and it would work. And then I would go back and I would say, hey, this is another sit. Now I'm excited. Now it's like, hey, I've got this problem with Brooke or Holly. And some of the guys that had kids older than me would go, hey, you know what? I don't know if it'll work for you, but we did this and we had success with it. And I'm like, dude, like you don't know what you don't know. And like I never had teenagers, right? So I didn't know. Then they started driving. Hey, what should I do in this scenario? It's like, well, hey, this is what worked for us and try that. Well, sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. More times than not, though, when you have a general consensus of the multitude, there's great security and safety in that. Because I could just use my own filter, and I've only got one life experience. But I could collectively get the insight from 10 men that were in the group that had children or spouses or they own their own companies. And when they collectively go, you know, I think if you do this or you modify this or you tweak this, maybe you'll be on to something. And I would go back with a sense of confidence because now it's not just me arbitrarily deciding I'm going to try something. I've got 10 men saying, I think if you'll try this, it may work. And it would. So the trajectory of my success just exponentially was greater as a result of having these board of directors, these trusted advisors. And Matt, here's the real key to this. So I went recently and had coffee with a guy that was traveling through Nashville. By the way, everybody travels through Nashville. I mean, it's the Mecca, you know, it's like the central place for people to travel through. So people are always calling saying, hey, can we have breakfast or lunch or breakfast? And so anyway, I went and had coffee with this guy and I decided to set him up a little bit, you know, just to see. What, what he thought about this concept. And I said, hey, Robin and I are considering buying a condo in South Florida. We live in Nashville, but winters are getting a little bit cold. I'm getting a little older and maybe I want to, you know, go down there for the winter. And I said, I want to know if you think it would be a good idea. And he followed me. He knew who I was and listened to me and read stuff and read my book and all that. And he said, yeah, 
I think it'll be a good idea. I said, well, this condo's a million dollars. And he said, well, Big A, he said, you said you wanted one and you'll go down there and use it, won't you? I said, yeah, I'll go down there and use it. And he said, I'm sure you're successful and you've owned all these companies. And yeah, I think you should buy it. And I said, well, let's back up for a second. I said, you've never met Robin. You don't know anything about Brooke and Holly. You've never met any of my grandkids. You don't know anything about the businesses that I've owned previously. You don't know about my aspirations, my vision the propensity I have towards doing a good job or not. You don't know about my Achilles heel. You don't know my superpowers. You don't know my blind spots. And you sure don't know anything about my finances. He said, no, I don't. I said, you really can't help me, can you? He said, I really can't. You see, the lesson to be learned here, we seek advice every single day from people that don't have the data to support their answer. That is the value of being in a mastermind group with people week in and week out, month after month, year after year. I don't have to go in there now and paint the picture. They have the picture. I have a question and they can give me an answer that's applicable to me. But see, when we go out there and we sign up for these weekend mastermind groups and we're standing around a fire and you're talking to somebody with a name tag on that has no idea what you do, and you present something that you're confronted with, and they quickly give you a response, and then you go implement that. First of all, it's crazy taking advice from people around a bonfire with a name tag on that you've never met, that have no insight to your life whatsoever. The advice may be good advice from a blanket standpoint, but it may not be applicable to you as an individual. And once I learned that, it made me want to stay in the group longer because I had other people with aspirational goals, their core values aligned with me, their worldviews were similar. They had a backdrop for my history. They could answer all the questions. They knew the data. So then they could give me a response that would be beneficial. And so from there, my success just exponentially grew. I feel the, you stated the lesson and kind of the pill and the peanut butter here, the, the deeper underlying what I'm feeling is that Because you developed that relationship, those relationships with people that you could trust, that knew you, you knew them, the longevity of those relationships uh, is one of the greatest gifts that you received that has helped you on this journey. It's not just get get, get the Band-Aid solution over here or there. It's long-term preventative medicine is in the relationship. It's in people. Well, Matt, think about it for a second with you and your wife. You've got a history, 20-year marriage, three beautiful daughters. People that know you well know your giftedness. They know what you're qualified to do. There's things that you could present that would be a great idea, but it wouldn't be applicable to you because they don't know your wife. They don't know her characteristics, her desires, her vision. They don't know anything about your past. The people that know you intimately, the people that don't have a dog in the hunt, people that are not your family members because they're biased, your business partner, they're biased. But when you have people that are competent, capable, aspirational, that know you intimately long-term, those are the people that can help you. They're going to tell you the truth. You need people around you too that will throw the flag. Like I get out of the shower. I've got three new business ideas every day, right? I just, I'm a deal maker. I think it's a good idea. I would go to the mastermind group and I would share the idea. And Dave Ramsey would say, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of in my life. And Dan Miller would say, wait a minute, Dave, wait a minute. Now, like 
I agree with you partially, but if we take this component of it and we introduce him to this person and then he doesn't do this other thing and then we're allowed to get the resources from another investor, I think he may be onto something. But see, if I just presented that to anyone else, they'd say, oh yeah, Big A, that sounds like a great idea. You should go do that. They, they just don't have context. And I think that's the lesson here today, that if you're taking advice from people that don't have context, you're going to be sorely disappointed in the results. Well, how would we come to find out or learn if the people we're taking advice from have context? What's the, the variables yeah. here in understanding who has context? Yeah, I think the amount that you're willing to be vulnerable, transparent, and authentic with. It goes back to them having the data. And I can go and present myself in such a way that I'm a salesperson. You're going to believe me. But if it's not factual, it's not going to work. And so I don't take advice from a lot of people outside of the people that have context. I've learned also not to ask advice from people that don't have context. Mm. Mm, thank you. Today's sponsor of the Eternal Optimist Podcast. Have you ever heard an apple a day keeps the doctor away? It's a statement made to keep kids from eating more candy or adults to eat fruit instead of more potato chips. Well, how about this slight shift? A compliment a day keeps the world okay. There's someone out there right now whom you know that could really benefit from a compliment from you. We all crave acceptance. We all want to feel like we fit in and we're special. One text, one call, one note written can really turn around someone's day. And we all have the power to do that. So reach out and give a compliment today. Because remember, a compliment a day keeps the world okay. Well, you've brought us down the journey this far. You've mentioned a couple of things that are very interesting to me. I'd love to ask for some context. You mentioned you have everything is figureoutable as one of your core values. I'd love to hear about your core values, Aaron, and how you came to them and a little bit about why these are your core values, please. You know, years ago, I met a guy that's in our organization now. His name is Scott Beebe. He owns a company called My Business on Purpose. Scott was a coaching client for me years ago, and he formulated a very successful company to help people understand how to write a mission statement, how to understand core values, really uncovering your why that you're doing things, prioritizing your priorities, getting systems and processes in place to run a successful business. And he asked me what my core values were. And initially I said, you know, it's integrity and honesty and transparency and vulnerability. And he said, those are the fundamental principles of being a good human being. Like we all should have those things. But what is unique to you? What are the things that are unique to you individually? Well, along comes another guy that I trust immensely, Kevin Wallenbeck. Kevin said, we can dial into this deeper and I'm going to help you uncover the uniqueness related to you personally. So we started diving deep and they said, what is the thing that matters the most to you? You've owned numbers of companies now. What is the thing that's really important to you? So we started going through this exercise and I quickly said, relationships matter most. It doesn't matter if I'm selling a widget, providing a service. In every industry, every company I've ever owned, relationships matter most. I'm an extremely loyal person. 
I've had people work for me for decades and I'm very loyal. So he started probing deeper. He said, what are some other things that you enjoy? And I said, what do you mean? He said, what are some other fundamental principles by which you live your life? And I said, I want to make it amazing. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. Like I want to give it my best. And I've done that since I was early, early on, right out of school. I'm like, I want to give the best customer service. I want to give the best opportunity. I want like, I want to make it amazing, whatever we do. He said, what are some of the things you don't like? I say, excuses. I hate excuses. And he said, okay, so we got relationships matter most. You want to make it amazing. You don't tolerate excuses. What is it that you think you can't do? I said, there's nothing I don't think I can do. He said, well, that sounds kind of cocky. I said, I don't mean it that way, but I just think everything is figure outable. We'll figure out a way. He said, well, what is one more thing? What is another principle that you live by? He said, you're a Christian by faith. And I said, yeah. He said, how can we tie that into your core values? And I said, well, my faith is everything. He said, well, let's dive into that a little deeper. Like what around your faith do you use to help you discern or decide to do things? I said, well, I'm Christian by faith, so I read the Bible. He said, what is the Bible to you? I said, it's truth. There's 66 books there, and every decision we make, we run it through those 66 books. He says, does what I say have any impact? And I said, yeah, after I discovered truth. And he said, so it's truth before opinion. I said, yeah, it's truth before opinion. So it's relationships matter most, make it amazing, no excuses, everything's figure outable, and truth before opinion. Wow. Six questions got you to the most amazing core values I've heard. That was amazing. Um, so we use that as a filter for everything we do. So we talk about hiring someone. We want to get somebody that fits the culture because the relationships matter most. We're going to let somebody go. And we're like, how can we protect them? Because they matter most. When we think about anything that we do in our organization, we run it through the amazing filter. Like, is this amazing? Well, it may not be amazing to everyone's standards, but it's amazing as we know how to do it today. And until we figure out a more amazing way, we're going to do it as amazing as we know how. Our team knows that they cannot bring me an excuse without a solution. They come and say, hey, this won't work. Well, what is your proposition in us solving this problem? And then everybody says, hey, I don't know what it's going to look like today. I don't know how we're going to get there, but we'll figure it out. And then as believers, we do pray. I want to know from God the direction. I want to be obedient to his leadership. And so the truth is very important. So we spend the time necessary to meditate, to read scripture, to pray, to really understand following the sense of the Holy Spirit for us because we're Christian. And then we go out and seek other person's opinion that align with our core values that have similar worldviews. And once we establish that, then we can finalize our decision. So then we decide whether to do it or not. I feel that <clears throat> you've shared so openly with core values and some of the lessons. I'd love to go forward to where we are now. You've given us a great timeline, Aaron. Let's go to right now in the present moment. What's hard now? 
What's the challenge you're facing now at this stage in your career and your life? This is going to sound a little bit funny to people that are just starting their career. Now it's deciding which opportunity to expound on because there's a lot of opportunity. And it doesn't mean that any of them are bad. It just means which one of them is best and which one will help us accomplish our long-term vision. I think so many people get distracted for all the opportunities that are out there. It's like, yeah, you could do that and you would make money. But how does that align with your long-term vision? Is it a profitable distraction or is it something that's going to help you accomplish the long-term vision and goal? And so I think deciphering between opportunities today is much more difficult than I thought it would have been in the past. As you build a little larger audience, you have a little more exposure, a little bit more popularity, opportunities open, right? And so then we've got to decide, do I spend the effort and the energy? Do I have the bandwidth? And is that going to optimally take our tribe, our community, the place that we want to take them? Or is it going to be a profitable distraction? So today, it's just hard staying on task because of the varying opportunities. Mm. I wonder if you found yourself sometime in the past decade or, or more recently, if you found yourself, you know what? I'm realizing right now I am distracted by this opportunity and this might not be the right one and how you may have extracted yourself from that to focus mm. on something more aligned with your vision. Yeah. Again, when we're left to our own decision without trusted advisors, I have found that I make poorer choices than I would have made had I had the consensus of the multitude. And so for me, it's uh, making the best decision I can with the information at hand. And I don't think that ever goes away. At least it hasn't for me. There's a constant distraction. You know, technology is really complicating things. At the same time, it's offering great opportunity. And you don't have to do everything. You just need to do a few things really well. A friend of mine, Cody Foster, when I say friend, I use that term loosely. Cody is a guy I've interviewed a number of times, started a business in Topeka, Kansas about 23 years ago. And when I had him on the show, I asked him a couple of questions and he gave a similar answer. They started this company and they said, we're only going to do three things. And we're going to do those three things well. And I don't tell this to flatter your listeners today, but by turning away the other opportunities, they've mastered the three that they do. There's three partners. They do three things and they do them really well. They started at scratch 23 years ago. This past year, they did $8 billion in revenue because they did three things well. And you know, it's the Chinese proverb, you don't need 10,000 kicks. You need to practice one kick 10,000 times. And see, it's the thing that we really are masterful at. And I equate it to, whether you like him or not, Tom Brady, you know, he's not a wide receiver, right? He's not a tight end. He's one of the best quarterbacks that's ever lived. Like him or not, he's one of the best quarterbacks that's ever lived. Seven championships to prove it. But he practices one thing 
really well. And see, we think we've got to do everything. And I just want to encourage your listeners today to figure out what it is that gives you energy. Figure out what you would do if you had to do it for free. Figure out a thing that God has so uniquely gifted you that no one else can do that thing but you. And go out there and do it well. If you're doing something today that you hate, you're doing something that sucks the life out of you, doing something that there is no energy around it, I want to encourage you to look for something else to do. Life is too short. And I know going through the accident that I had, that life, the brevity of life uh, can, can take us out pretty quick. And you asked earlier why I'm so energetic, why I'm so passionate, why I have this youthful energy. It's because I love what I do. And if I don't love what I do, I sell that company or I buy another company and I do what I enjoy. And I've done that from the beginning. People can't say, well, you can do that now because you have resources. No, I did it from the beginning because I want to enjoy this. This is not a trial run. Like this is our life. We're living right now. Earlier, Matt, you and I were talking about the little girls that you've got. And then I'm a very serious comment that I made was this is the best part of your life right now. Enjoying those little kids. Don't miss that moment. We don't get a do-over, right? We only got them one time when they're 16 years old. Basically, they're gone, and we need to enjoy this time. I can make more money. I can start more companies, but I only get one go through with that family, and I want to be sure that we build the parameters and we build the boundaries, that we don't offer our family up on the sacrifice of getting more because you'll come home with a pocket full of money to a house full of strangers if you're not careful. And one day that family is going to be gone and you're going to be a rich old guy that's lonely and the relationships matter most. And I want you to really protect them at all costs. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, before, about seven years ago, I hadn't cried, but probably eight times in my entire life. And I've since been able to connect with true emotional intelligence since of having a family. And I almost... I almost cried right there, Aaron. So thank you for that. Give me to appreciate the family. Certainly do. And you know, Matt, I'll tell you, I want to tell a little story around that for a second. I think it will be impactful for, for this show in light of what we're talking about. So I didn't have anything when I was a kid. Like we lost our house when I was seven years old in bankruptcy. We had to move in with my cousin. My dad had gotten involved in drinking alcohol and almost cost him his family. My mom went to him and said, hey, you make a choice. You, you've got your family or you've got the alcohol. You've got to pick one or the other. And my dad, thankfully, chose his family. I was very grateful for that. But we didn't have anything. Like, we were broke. And I had a lot of aspiration to, to be successful financially when I was young. And I was willing to do whatever it took, a lot of determination. But I came home one day, I was probably in my mid to late 30s, and Robin came up to me and looked at me, and she's been with me. She's been the biggest champion I've had. You know, we met when she was 15, I was 16, so we've been together a long time. And she said, I want to thank you first for providing for us like you have. Like, God has blessed us immeasurably. There's no way we could have had this beautiful home. We had a vacation place, and we, we had all the stuff. But she said, I feel like a single mom. And she said, I need you here. Like, I, I need you helping with Brooke and Holly, taking them to cheerleading practice and brownies and Girl Scouts and ball games. And it dawned on me that day that just because I had provided financially, that didn't mean I was meeting my family's needs. 
And I did have a pocket full of money, but I was quickly developing a house full of relationships that I didn't know. Thankfully, she came up to me. She had the courage to come up to me and say, these things are great, but if we don't have that family unity, then it's all for naught. And I want to encourage your listeners out there today to do a personal assessment, to really dive deep into your personal life and say, hey, are these tangible assets that I'm pursuing, are they worth the relational capital that I'm spending to get it? And what is it that I'm going to do once I have reached this place, this pentacle that I think I'm going to get to? And quite honestly, money doesn't scratch the itch like you think it's going to anyway. Keep moving the bar. And I just want to encourage, not to take us down, but I want to encourage the listeners today to really do that personal assessment. Really go to your spouse and sit down and say, hey, let's talk through what it is that we want to accomplish. Let's be sure that we're whole when we get to the end and let's not separate our relationship. Let's not do it at the expense of our family. And I think if you do that, it'll pay big dividends to you in the future. Mm, I love everything about what you just said. And I love the question, are these tangible assets I'm pursuing worth the relational capital that I'm spending to get them? And I love that. It's it's close to my heart very dearly. I'm a part of a group called the Front Row Dads. And you know we are family men with businesses, not businessmen with family. So I think we connect there, Aaron. And thank you for sharing that with the listeners. I love to go back to two last thoughts before we... I'd love to give you a, a, a platform to share how our listeners can find out more about you and, and what you're up to now. But before we finish with that, you made a statement earlier on that if you had passed at 27, your legacy would have been something to the effect of, you know, I, I made a lot of money, and but no one cared. And I wonder, and I hope that you live a long, very fulfilling life for many years to come. But if your life ended now, what would your legacy be right now? Yeah, I think it's going to be, I helped transform the lives of men beyond what they had ever hoped. That That's our mission statement, helping ordinary men become extraordinary in all they do. And it's been a mission of ours now for nine years, helping other people succeed. Yeah, we've got a good business. Iron Sharpens Iron is our mastermind. It does well for us. But at the end of the day, I'm laying there thinking, man, what value can we add? How can we help these guys understand how to live a life in totality, not just singularly focused professionally, but how can they be the best husband, the, the best father? How can they be the best business person? How can they really focus on their faith? How can they take their personal and professional lives to the next level. Like at the end of the day, don't we all want to lay there and go, man, I left it all on the field. Like I gave it all I had. I squeezed every drop out of the towel. I didn't leave anything undone and I didn't spend the personal capital in order to get it, the relational capital of my family. And I think that we're all going to be hugely successful if we can answer that in an affirmative in the end. And I feel like that I've been able to do that for the past two decades now. Prior to that, not so much. A lot of hard knocks, a lot of lessons learned. And that's the reason we're kind of on this quest today to help other people dodge some of those landmines that we had to go through. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Well, Aaron, you've, you've taken us on a journey today and somehow you, you may have caused me to lose my voice. I'm in awe over here, but I wonder uh, how might our listeners find out more about you or connect with you? Well, thank you for that opportunity. The easiest way is to go to viewfromthetop.com. That's our parent company. 
people ask me all the time, why is it called view from the top? I said, because nobody wants a view from the bottom, right? We all want our view from the top and we're helping people accomplish that today. When you go to the site, there's an application to fill out. There's no obligation. There's no commitment, but fill out the application. It'll give you a 45 minute conversation with me to let me really hear your story and your journey to see if it's something that we could help with. So go to viewfromthetop.com, fill out the application. Let's have an honest conversation, see if we can help transform your life and give you that view from the top. Well, thank you, brother, for coming on today. Much appreciate you and our listeners do as well. And just God bless you. And thanks so much, Aaron. Thank you, Matt. I enjoyed it, buddy. We'll see you. Thanks for listening to the Eternal Optimist podcast. You can check the show notes for information about today's episode. And please share the show with that friend who is wanting to think bigger. We'll see you next time.